Welcome and thank you for joining us. At Worship Harvest, we believe that we are a movement of the gospel, discipleship and mission. And we are committed to catalyzing spiritual, social and economic renewal in our immediate communities and as a result, the world. Here is this week's teaching. I work with an organization. It's my biggest client at the moment. I am an obstetrician and gynecologist by profession. I've worked for that organization for many years. And I'm going to tell you a little bit of my story. In 2008, uh, I quit my job and uh, applied for uh, a master's degree in obstetrics and gynecology. And uh, I started with that. That meant I had no source of income. Of course, uh, as a student, you, are, you receive some sort of allowance. I think we were receiving about 2 million shillings per year. That 2 million was supposed to cater for rent, uh, food, travel, and everything. So basically, let's just suffice it to say that I had no money starting 2008. And so 2008, 2009, uh, 2008... Uh, a certain thing called love entered my head and I decided to propose to a girl. Lord, have mercy. Now, I proposed to the girl. She allowed to marry me, but she said, wait a bit. So we had to wait until 2010. In 2010, we got married and she came to live with me in a house where I had no job. Praise the Lord. It's called faith. So she came, we moved in, we were living in our house there in Kololo, praise the Lord, the Lord is good, Upper Kololo. Mm. And uh, she was, where she was working, she was earning about 500,000 a month. So that catered for our travels. Most of our travels was done on foot because we were in the center of town. Everything we needed was in arm's distance. The, the mall was arm's distance. Church, worship of Katikati was arm's distance. Generally, everything was around us. Then we moved to Chiwatule, praise the Lord, and took on a mortgage, praise the Lord again, with no job. <laughs> so we got involved in this thing called forex trading. You guy, we got money. Money we had not seen. Helped us to pay, pay, pay our mortgage. Helped us to keep moving. Things were good. Then the bubble burst. And all that money that we thought we were making somehow disappeared. And there I was back again, no job with a married woman, my wife. <laughs> Just thought I would clarify. Things, man, things, things, things became interesting. Some of you have heard of the white fridge syndrome. When you open the fridge and the predominant color is white, the walls of the fridge... I remember one day we were so hungry, we drank tea for supper. Black tea with no sugar. And you see, I couldn't reach out to our parents because I was like, I took the girl from her home. How do I start going back to tell my folks that, you know what, I wasn't ready to get married. So, yeah, we, we went through that season without work for me. And it was quite a trying time. You know, there's only, you know, somehow towards the end of 20, 2011, I got a gig working at the place where I work now. And I started to make money. 
the situation changed. And I've worked there for the last, I don't know, so many years with a hiatus of one year somewhere in between there. And in this time, I have learned many things. I've seen people come, I've seen people go. I've seen people who have come and made an impression, a good impression on the organization. I've seen some who have come and just, you know, gone through like they were taking a walk. I have had people who swear by my name. I have had people who swear at my name. So in all these years, it's been a journey of learning. It's been a journey of learning. And I thank God for the experience. So I've worked there, worked there, worked there. Everything was all good. And then COVID-19 happened. And so many things changed for me. And I'm sure they also changed for you. But now who am I talking to? You know, Business Garage, when you talk about Business Garage, uh, many of the people who tune into Business Garage are business owners. Right? You own the business. Whether it is a business or a a business, you own it. The buck stops with you. And when I look at my years of employment, I have not been a business owner. Although when I read a certain book, it told me that I am the business, Okulo Odom Incorporated, and where I work is my biggest client. But that is a conversation for another day. (laughs) But anyway, this is the thing. I've worked for other people. And, and, and many of us out there actually work for other people. We don't run the business. I want to show you a few statistics. I was looking at the National Labor Force Survey Report of 2016-2017 from UBOS, Uganda Bureau of Standards. Why 2016-2017? It's because they don't do it every year. So what we are looking at is a bit of history. These figures have changed since, okay? It says that the working age population, that is from 14 to 64 years, was estimated at nearly 19 million. 19 million who qualify to work, according to the Ugandan standards. 81% were engaged in at least some form of work, which means that 29% were doing nothing. They were just being. So the employed population was about 9 million. Now, of these 9 million, the self-employed, in other words, you own the business, uh, you're working for the family business or something like that, was 56%, which is about 5 million. So there's a certain 4 million who are employed by other people. And you wake up every day to go and serve somebody's dream. You're the people I'm talking to today. Especially. It was quoted that discouragement was the main reason reported by the inactive population for not being available for work. Discouragement. For those of you, those who are not working at all, the biggest reason reported for not going to work or for not having work or for not looking for work was discouragement. Imagine you've been to school for so many years and then uh, you graduate, walk out there and there are no jobs. At some point you just give up. Or you got a job, go to work, and you're paid peanuts, taken advantage of. You are labeled, and we're going to come to labeling in a little bit. In all my years, the years I've been alive, I've known of only two big incidences which have had this sort of impact on people's lives. One was the retrenchment process that happened in the 90s, where huge numbers of people were sent home because they had reached a certain age. 
I was looking at an article where 800 people from one company were suing the company for losing their jobs. 800 people from one company. That's a big number. I will talk about credit crunch. It didn't really hit us. And then the second one is what has happened most recently. That is the coming in of this virus, COVID-19, where we've seen lots of changes, people being at home. And I'd like to look at three impacts that this thing has had on us. The first of those is lost jobs. Many people have lost jobs. Why? Because businesses have collapsed. You send people home for so many days, they are not working, the business comes to a halt. And therefore, they begin to look at their employees as people who are taking from them without bringing anything because the business is not working. So what do you do? You send them home. But also new business ideas have come up. You know, mastermind here, mastermind there, mastermind there. Homeschooling, people have learned to become homeschool teachers. This one is a bit controversial, hiring pregnant women to sit in your car while you drive around town. <laughs> business ideas, all right? The second effect that we looked at was labeling. So now you are either an essential worker or a non-essential worker. So your boss begins to look at you and say, hmm, is Beatrice essential? So now, if you're non-essential, you've been labeled non-essential. So you begin to think of yourself as non-essential. So your attitude, even when you're going back to work, you're like, you people, I am non-essential. Then there are those who are essential. It doesn't matter whether they're actually being essential or not. They've been labeled essential. And a third effect that we've looked at is uh, adaptations. There have been lots of adaptations. People have learned to work at home. People who own buildings where there was office space are learning very fast that the people who are hiring those spaces as offices are beginning to think that, ah, ah, do I really need to pay that rent? I can be at home and work from there. People are adapting. And all these effects are coming in because of this thing that has fallen on us. And now people are beginning to go back to work. With these things in their minds, I am essential, I am non-essential, the workforce has changed, the workspace and the work environment has changed. And so you begin to ask yourself, that now that I'm caught in this thing, what could I have done differently? And if you didn't do it, so now you're asking yourself, what can I do differently now so that I can fit into the adaptations that have come up? I want to take us a little bit to the Bible and look at God's idea of what was happening. What, what could be happening in a season like this? I'm going to read to you a parable. It's a parable of the talents. This is from Matthew chapter 25 from verse 14. I will read very quickly up to verse 29. Those are many verses, so please pay attention. It says, For the kingdom of heaven is like a man traveling to a far country who called his own servants and delivered his goods to them. He did what? He delivered his goods to them. I'm just trying to think of an environment where this makes sense. Because you're going to a far country, far country, you deliver your goods to people. When you come back, you may not find your goods. Or the people. Or the people and your goods. For that matter. 
So he goes to a far country and he delivers his goods to someone. So unto one he gave five talents. To another two and to another one. To each according to his ability. According to what they could handle. Right? To some of you, if they gave you a lot of money right now, it would crush you. It would destroy you. So God has allowed you to get a little that you can handle. Show your faithfulness. Train yourself with the little so that more can come. To some of you who are working in certain places, responsibilities have been given. You have been given a little responsibility so that you can prove yourself that more responsibility may come to you. There's a, there's a, there's a, a, a proverb, a phrase that says that the reward for good work is more work. Praise the Lord. So, and to one he gave five, to another two, and to one, another one, to each according to his own ability, and immediately he went on a journey. Please, people, if you're going to delegate, delegate and go away. Don't hang around. Then, he who had received the five talents went and traded with them and made another five talents. And likewise, who had received two gained two more also. Aha! Now, this is the thing. But he who had received one went and did what? He dug a hole in the ground and he hid his Lord's money. Safekeeping. After a long time, the Lord of those servants came and settled accounts with them. This is called appraisal. Those of you who work, annually there is what they call appraisal. So they sit you down in front of HR and a few of your peers and they ask you a few questions. Then they go and discuss you amongst themselves. And they said, this one is a fit to continue with us. This one, we need to rethink. Non-essential. You see, this usually happens annually, but what COVID-19 has done, it has introduced an appraisal in the middle of the year. Where people are appraising themselves and being appraised by their bosses. Do we need you? So he who had received five talents came and brought five other talents, saying, Lord, you delivered to me five talents. Look, I have gained five more talents beside them. He went and put the talents to work and came back with others. Now, I know that this parable is talking about money when they say talents, but I want us to look as talents as you usually call them talents. Hi, talent. I salute you. <laughs> that kind of talent. Not five slaves called talent. Let's stay focused. So <laughs> he was given five talents. Let's look at talents as abilities, as giftings, for, for the purpose of this discussion, or responsibilities where you are working. So you take the responsibilities that you've been given, the tasks that you've been given, and then you profit from them. You add profit to them. You get better and better. And so more responsibilities are given to you. Okay, so now let's, let's, I think let's continue this. I don't want us to get uh, derailed. Say, Lord, his Lord said to him, well done, good and faithful servant. You are faithful over a few things. I will make you ruler over many things. Enter into the joy of your Lord. Now, I want us to focus here. It says you are a servant who was faithful over a few things. Remember, key word here, servant. You are serving somebody. You are faithful over 
a few things. And what happens? I will make you what? Not servant, but ruler over many things. What does it mean to be a ruler? To be a ruler means that you have servants. So if you are faithful over a few things as a servant, you are made a ruler. So that place where you are working, if you are faithful over the small responsibilities that you are given, they will make you a ruler. Which means you will have servants. And the cycle goes on and on and on. It says, enter into the joy of your Lord. Let's move down. He also, he also who had received two talents came and said, Lord, you delivered to me two talents. Look, I have gained two more talents beside them. What does the master say? His Lord said to him, well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over a few things. I will make you a ruler over many things. Enter, enter into the joy of your Lord. Then he who had received the one talent came and said, Lord, ha, I knew you to be a hard man. That's not a good start. That's, yeah, it's not a good start. Reaping where you have not sown and gathering where you have not scattered seed. This is the thing. Somebody just mentioned the word lockdown and I thought about it. And there are some bosses who are expecting you to still deliver whether there is a lockdown or not. They're expecting results. So you can't move. What's that got to do with anything? They're expecting results. And he says, and I was afraid. And went and hid your talent in the ground. Look! There you have what is yours. There you have what is yours. No profit. No gain. But his Lord answered and said to him, You wicked and lazy servants, you knew that I reap where I have not sown. You knew. It's not like you were bleak. You even mentioned it in your confession. And gather where I have not scattered seed. So you ought to have done what? Deposited my money with the bankers and at my coming I would have received back my own with interest. Therefore take the talent from him and give it to him. Why do I think we skipped something? Go back. Yeah, down. Down, down, down. Next verse. Therefore take the talent from him and give it to him who has ten. That even the little that you have that you think is nothing will be taken away from you and given to him who has proven himself faithful. It doesn't matter the season. You should be able to prove yourself faithful. Okay. For to everyone who has more, more will be given and he will have abundance. But from him who does not have even what he has will be taken away. And cast the unprofitable servant into the outer darkness. There will be weeping and the garnishing of teeth. Nashing, I went to school. <laughs> garnishing. Hmm, garnishing for what? For eating, garnishing, gnashing of teeth. <laughs> All right, so we've read through that story and we've seen three, four characters in the story. We've got the master who does, gives his goods to the servants. You've got servant number one with five talents, servant number two with... Um, Two and servant number one with one. All right? So there are three categories of people who are there. Now the people who I'm talking to, the four million I described in the beginning who are employed, 
you fall into categories, either five, two, and one. All right? How you deal with what has been given to you determines whether you are a five, a two, or a one. It's, yeah, it's, I remember something Pastor Moses said. In fact, yesterday he was having a chat with us and he said, uh, when it comes to business, uh, please do not include emotions in it. Emotions and business don't go together. So I am not going to be very emotionally considerate today as, uh, as Pastor Bithy, Pastor Bithy last week, what you did not do to us, praise the Lord. You left us weeping, but it is good. <laughs> weeping meant you for a night. All right. So I want to look at four things. The first thing I want to look at is delegation. If you go to verse 15 of what we were reading, verse 15. And to one he gave five talents, to another two, and to another one, to each according to his own ability, and immediately he went on a journey. So as a worker, as a steward, recognize that a duty, a task, a responsibility has been given to you. And decisions have been delegated to you by your employer, and his expectation according to your contract is that you engage profitably with the responsibility that has been given to you. So use your time well. These things of going to work and you start your day by looking at Facebook. Why? Two hours later, you're still at Facebook, then it is tea time. Use your time well. Execute the tasks that have been given to you. Make life easy for the person who has given you the task. That is the expectation. When we delegate, we are saying that now you are me. And you should have the heart for my business that I have for it. And therefore, my expectation of you as an employee is that you are going to excel and bring profit to the business where you are employed. That's what delegation is all about. When I delegate something to you, what I have told you is that I trust you. I believe in you. And therefore, I do not expect you to let me down. Now that's what I'm saying is when I am not there, you're the one. All right? You're the one. So in your jobs, you have been delegated responsibilities. Execute them. Execute the responsibilities that have been given to you. Use your time well. Timekeeping, complete assignments, attend meetings, participate in teams. All of us are a cog in a wheel of a very complex system. And once you fall out of line, the system comes tumbling down. So you have to represent your boss and yourself well by being present on time where you are supposed to be and do what is expected of you. The second thing I want us to look at still on verse 15 is we all have ability. Now I want you to notice here it says that Antoine gave five according to his own ability. Who recognizes the ability? It is the boss. It is the owner. Who sees you, sees the ability in you, recognizes it, and then puts that ability to work. He does not give you the ability. The ability is God-given. But then the boss has to recognize what has been given to you. So the question I want to ask you today, how recognizable is your ability? How much have you put yourself out there with your gifting and your ability that the people who are hiring you may notice and say, hmm, there is something about that person. William, there is something I have noticed about him. I was reading something that Pastor Moses posted last week, this week, earlier this week, 
That was a testimony from uh, uh, Joseph Prince. And he was talking about how in his workplace, he excelled so much that the boss knew that "Mm -mm, there is something about this man. So much that when he announced to his boss that, you know what, I'm going into full-time ministry, the boss wept. Because his contribution was so much to the success of the company that the boss could not afford to let him go. Are you that person that has shown your ability to the boss to the extent that he says, you know what, I will do whatever it takes to keep this person. So you want to find out what your abilities are. Do a strength test. There are so many online. To determine what you are good at. What your strength is. And once you have determined what your strength is. Focus on that strength. Delegate your weaknesses. So many of us have been taught that when you are weak at something. Spend so much time and energy trying to get better at that. It doesn't work. Focus on what you are good at. Get better and better at what you are good at. Delegate what you are weak at to other people. Alright? So that's the second thing. Abilities. Your strengths are those things that you do better than most and bring you great joy. Discover those things. Focus on them. The third thing is from verse 16 and 17. Multiplication. Then he who had received the five talents went and traded with them and made another five talents. And so on and so forth. The other and two. Okay? So the employer expects that you're going to multiply that which has been given to you. That's his expectation. That is why when you are being hired, you beat the other candidates who applied for the same job. Because the boss or the people who hired you looked at you and said, this person has got a unique ability to multiply that which we have given to him. Forget nepotism. I'm assuming a condition where everything you know is fair and just. That you are hired because of what you bring to the table and your boss expects you to multiply. Not just to sit there. You are not hired to maintain the status quo. You are hired to multiply. So people have been labeled essential workers and non-essential workers. Do you know it is your responsibility to determine whether you are going to be essential or non-essential? By the profit you bring to the organization, by the benefit you bring to the organization, determines whether you are essential or non-essential. Not what the government says. Because there are people who have been labeled non-essential, but they have gone home and continued to be essential, and they are coming back to work to get a raise. And yet there are those who have been labeled essential, and they are coming back to work to receive a letter. And the letter is not saying, well done, good and faithful servant. You determine whether you are essential or non-essential by the value you bring to the place where you work. And the last thing I want us to look at is from verse 21. Stewardship as preparation. Hi, steward. (laughs) People on this team have nice names. (laughs) When we steward the dreams of others well, God gives us our own. So right now you are working for somebody else. Steward that well. And in due time, God will give you your own. I want you to focus on the story of Joseph. Joseph 
had a dream that at one time in life, his father and his brothers will bow down before him. That dream got him into a pit. Got him into the house of Potiphar where he served faithfully. He served diligently. He was a good steward of the responsibility given to him. And what happened in due time, in due time, first he went to prison, he was faithful there, came to the house of Pharaoh where he interpreted the dreams and he was given a responsibility for that savings of 20% of all the harvest that was got during the first seven years of plenty and he did that job well. And before he knew it, he was the second most powerful man, not in Egypt, but in the world. Because the Pharaoh was the most powerful man in the world. He was feeding the world, the known world at the time. So Joseph was second in command. The most powerful man in the world. When you steward well, you become a ruler. Not just a servant. So how are you stewarding the responsibility, the job, the tasks that have been given to you? Joseph was the journey of faithfulness. It was a journey of good stewardship. So I'd like to conclude. My time is up. I'd like to conclude by asking you a few big questions. The lockdown has come to an end. Businesses are gradually opening up. And we're getting to return to work. What will you do differently to give you an edge? What is your strategy for faithfulness? I beg that you write it down. Write it down. Actually have a strategy for being faithful. Write it down and work at it daily. I'd like to leave us finally with a verse. This verse is from Proverbs chapter 22, verse 29. It says, Do you see a man who excels in his work? He will stand before kings. He will not stand before unknown men. When you are skilled and excel at your job. You will stand before kings. You will not stand before unknown men. Just take that verse. Meditate on it. Go to God and ask him, what are the skills that you have given me? May you reveal them to me. And give me the diligence to excel at them that I may stand before kings. And may you have a beautiful week as we resume and go back to work. I can hear the sound of a new generation. 
Thank you for listening to this teaching. We hope that you've been blessed by the Worship Harvest Sermon Series. For more teachings and other resources, visit www.worshipharvest.org or call 0393-281-555. That is 0393-281-555.